Okay, so I hear you like books. Why, yes, I do. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. Because when you read a book as a child, it becomes part of your identity in a way that no other reading in your whole life does. And I have gotten carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have. Are you seeing the books? Everything you would want to read is right here. Feel it. Feels good, right? Just smell it. Nothing, nothing smells like that. Welcome, friends, to episode number eight of Team Friendship Reads the Newberries. This week, we're going to be discussing the book Bridge to Terabithia by Katherine Patterson. And today, as always, I am joined by my lovely fellow podcasters. We have with us today Lauren. Hello. And Lauren's sister, Mandalay. What up, friends? And we are excited to get talking about this book. Do you guys have any updates of your daily life that you want to share with the people or anything podcast related? Have you had any meet and greets lately? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Have you? Um, I feel like more of our like friend base or like church family, I feel like more of them are starting to find out about our podcast and... I, I'm guessing a lot of them are just being really sweet about it, but <laughs> it definitely <laughs> has been fun to hear feedback, and they're actually listening to it, so that takes dedication. Yes. And my husband recently got into our podcast, so that's always Wow. Exciting. Joey! <laughs> uh, what is shout he out think? to you. He started listening to it a few weeks ago, and he... <laughs> Uh, came up to me the other day and he's like, you know, I think you guys are smarter about this than I thought you were. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm offended. Thank you. <laughs> I think he just like he's used to us being like ridiculous all the time, mm-hmm. and so yeah. I don't think he was expecting. Um, no, we are professional. No things. Yeah. We are professionally ridiculous, Joey. <laughs> right. That's right. Oh, anyway. That's cool. Yeah. So should we jump into our For the Love of Books section? Let's jump in. Let's <laughs> jump into it. Um. So I will start. I have a few book-related things. Um, the first one, and I'm, I don't know if I've talked about this before. I may have mentioned it. But Joey and I have started watching the series Father Brown on Netflix. It's a BBC series, and it's based on the books of G.K. Chesterton. Hmm. He's a British author, and he is—he writes um, these mystery novels that um, usually have like a religious aspect because Father Brown is the—he's a minister who ends up solving crimes a lot. <laughs> he's very nice. Smart. Anyway, um, I thought you guys would be interested in this because the man who plays Father Brown is the same actor that plays Mr. Weasley in the Harry Potter movies. We I love him. It. Yes. And he's just so funny. His facial expressions and it's a very witty show. I would highly recommend it. I love to check it out. 
Yeah. He did some appearances in Doctor Who as well. Yes, I noticed that on his IMDb page. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm currently reading a book. It's called This is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live. And that's by Melody Warnick. Aww. I saw that you were reading that on the Goodreads. It is so good. <laughs> I struggle with books that are more like informational. Mm-hmm. But this author does such a good job of she basically is sharing her story of how she just decided to love the place she was living because that her family moved around a lot and um, she was kind of addicted to moving. Every time she moved, she felt like, okay, this time everything's going to be better. You know, this new place mm-hmm. is going to change our lives. And so after their sixth move in, I don't know how many years, but not very many, she realized that maybe it was her <laughs> and maybe mm-hmm. she should be kind of proactive. And she's um, she's a journalist anyway. And so she kind of made it into her own little project. And it just has a lot of really helpful information about how you can just proactively love your community and invest in it. And I don't know, I really like it. The first little bit we talked about like walking more in your, in your town as much as you can, just you learn more about it and um, you get out there and you meet your neighbors and obviously it's not helpful for all of us. Some of us live in the country, but, um, yeah, walk <laughs> um <area>. but <laughs> I mean like you can go like downtown and walk around and stuff like that. Yeah. And then it was the part I'm reading now is about shopping local, but I just, her writing is so good. I, I really enjoy reading this book. That sounds cool. I want to read that book. Yes. I highly recommend it. Um, oh, and my last thing, I just finished a book. It's called the bookshop on the corner. It's by Jenny Colgan. Um, it was set in Scotland in this little country town and I really liked the setting and the character the main character was good but it was she kind of it's kind of a love story and I'm just not I'm just not into love stories anymore (laughs) I don't know what that says about me (laughs) like no I'm the same way I know I love my husband and I Mm -hmm. you know but it I think the older you get and the further into I guess romance you get, you realize it's not the mushy, flighty, like, I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't feel real, but it was. Well, like, and I can't, I can't relate to that anymore. You right. Know? <laughs> I mean, I guess we did have, I mean, everybody kind of has that, I guess, at the beginning. Oh, yeah. It's the dating and getting yeah. to know each other and that's fun and exciting. <laughs> but, yeah, I get you. It's rough, guys. Yeah. But anyway, it's a fun book, and it's one of those, like, beachy, uh, like, fun reads that you can just not have to think much about. Anyway. Cool stuff. Yeah. So who wants to go next for their book loves? What about right. you, Mandy? Um, I, read, I read this book. Good. That's good. I read it today. Yes, she did. I witnessed it. I'm glad it will be fresh in your memory. Um, and I did buy Anne of Green Gables. I sent you guys a picture of that. So I've yes. started reading that. Yes. Um, 
Oh, I did buy A Wrinkle in Time um, as well, but I have not started to read that yet. But it's there. It's queued up on my bedside table. Nice. Nice. So that's where I'm at. Lauren, what do you have? Well, let's see. I guess since the last time we recorded, I have... I read... Well, I listened to the audiobook of the first Anne of Green Gables. And then I... I'm partway through Anne of Avonlea, I think is what it's called. The next mm-hmm. book. Listening so. to that. And that's pretty much it. Like, I do, like, I don't know. This is, like, probably not exciting for people. But I've been reading, I read, recently read through, it's called A Little Book on the Christian Life by John Calvin. Mm, that's a good one. It's um, the book that I you brought kind of, for Mother today. Yeah, Mom wanted to borrow it. It was just kind of a nice... It's, it's When I say it was easy to read, but it was also full of very deep theological mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely kept a journal while I read it because there was just a lot of stuff that just made me stop and think and ponder and such. So... I highly recommend that that book. Um, it's by John Calvin, but two men have translated it into like modern English. So when I say it's easy to read, that's what I mean. Because I don't know if you two have ever tried to read like Jonathan Edwards or things like that. Um, no, it's hard. I know my limits. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. And those that I mean, those men are were so smart, and so. Like, just the way they talk is just, you know, ten levels above me anyway. and the English language has morphed so much over the years that it's just not not how we think. You know, yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, so when I say it's easy to read, that's what I mean, is they've made it modern and I understand what they're saying. (laughs) So I read that and then, yeah, so that's what I've done. I haven't really been doing as much lately. I need to get back into it. But yes, that's how I came to read that the bookshop on the corner because I just Mm -hmm. needed something that would be really easy to just pick up and put down whenever I had the chance and not. Yeah. And that helped. I I don't know. I don't know why, but I felt like that helped me and prepared me to like, okay, I can read this other book that's more Mm. in depth. So do that, Lauren. Find an easy book. (laughs) I will. Give yourself a break. Yes. Something. I just I hate (laughs) it because summertime is like when I was in high school. This is when I used to blow through books. Right. So I have that urge whenever summertime hits. But like as far as my job goes, it's super busy for me this time of year. I just can't handle it, guys. There's a war within me. You don't have time. You need to read. Sorry, I cannot work today. Right? Um, that's funny. Are you allowed to listen to, like, do you have, like, headphones at work you can listen to, or are you not allowed that's to do that? Negative. I only get oh. to do that on inventory night. I see. Well, on inventory night, which I believe is coming up tomorrow night. It is. It's my favorite night. Do, do an audiobook. I should. I should do that. Good idea, Lauren. Look at us Thank helping you. each other. <laughs> Team That's friendship. That's what friends are for, guys. Friendship. 
Wow. <laughs> All right, Mandy, do you have any book news yet, or do we need to wait? Oh, I do. No, I have. Okay. Um, let's see here. I haven't read much into this, but this is, uh, it's, it's called Scrambled Heads, and it's written by a teenager who is inspired to write a book explaining mental health issues to children after her own battles with anorexia and anxiety. Mm. So I found, that sounds cool. Yeah, I found that interesting. Um, and I'll send Lauren the link for the article so people can check that out. And then I also saw um, one of our one of our friends. I feel like I just saw someone post about that Wonder Book. Yes, um, yes. Um, they're making that into a movie. Yes, they are. I don't believe we've talked about. I did that. see that? No, we haven't. But I did see that a few weeks ago. So Julia Roberts. I haven't read that book, but Julia Roberts is going to be the mother. Julia. It looks like Owen Wilson is going to be in it. I love him. I love him too. So, that's something cool stuff. to look forward to. Um, and uh, that concludes the book news. <laughs> Thank you, Mandy, for the book news. You're welcome. <laughs> well, let's get into this book, guys. The 1978 Newbery Medal winner, Bridge to Terabithia by Katherine Patterson. Right, I'm just going to read the blurb that Goodreads has about it, uh, as opposed to reading the back of the book. So, it says, Jess Aarons' greatest ambition is to be the fastest runner in his grade. He's been practicing all summer and can't wait to see his classmates' faces when he beats them all. But on the first day of school, a new girl boldly crosses over to the boys' side and outruns everyone. That's not a very promising beginning for a friendship, but Jess and Leslie Burke become inseparable. Together, they create Terabithia, a magical kingdom in the woods where the two of them reign as king and queen, and their imaginations set the only limits. Leah. Yes. Give us some author history and, you know, behind-the-scenes book stuff. I several times wanted to message you guys and be like oh my goodness did you know this but I refrained because <laughs> I want you to have the joy of hearing it for the first time live All right, on air cool, cool stuff so, so Catherine Patterson is very fascinating to me and a lot of her story just really makes sense to me why she was interviewed with Kate Dickman. I can't get my words out. I'm too excited. Um, <laughs> I feel like her and Kate are just very similar in their approach to writing and their writing careers and their heart for portraying like real, real characters that are going to kind of speak into the lives of the children that read these books and the lives of the adults that read these books. Um, so Catherine has an interesting beginning. She was actually born in China okay. because her parents were missionaries there at the time. Um, when she was five years old, they had to come back to the States because um, World War II was just starting to break out in China. And so they came back to the States. She said they were kind of refugees at that time. 
And then they were able to go back to China um, and they lived there a little bit longer. So her beginning, she actually spoke Chinese. Um, I read somewhere that was her first language. I'm not sure how that's true, but it's possible. Um, And then when she was a young adult, she lived for four years in Japan as a missionary. Cool. I want to go to Japan. So do I. (laughs) Really do. (laughs) Um, And this just speaks to kind of her methodology on a lot of things. Uh, A lot of people questioned um, why she would desire to go to Japan after her childhood in China. Um, The connection that she had there, because at that time, Japan, like the Japanese people were the bad guys because they were the ones, you know, attacking the Chinese people. Um, And she explained that she had a Japanese friend in college and that's what made all the difference because she actually knew another human being from that place (laughs) that she was Mm. friends with. And, um, And I would say that that's a very true situation. Usually if you get out there and you meet someone from a country that's generally disliked in your culture, it kind of changes your mindset on them. Um, And she said... That she was, I was listening to an interview and she said, I just want to stop right here and make a plug for books because I believe that's what books can do because you can read, like she read a book about the Soviet Union when she was a kid and back then the Soviet Union, like they were the bad guys, but because she read a book about the Soviet Union and kind of made a friend for this child that she read about, she had a hard time understanding how you know, all Russians could be evil because she has this awesome friend that's from there. Right. And I think, I thought that was a really good perspective on why it's so important for kids to be read to and to read, um, to know those other cultures. Um, I agree. I like that. I I thought you guys would enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So Catherine kind of had a rough start in writing. Um, she had a lot of rejection, which kind of reminded me of our good friend, Kate. And I think a lot of writers could probably give you that story. Um, but she continued to persevere and she actually ended up winning two Newbery awards. So she also won for her book, Jacob Have I Loved. Um, and she also won an honor award, but she said the award that really brought her to tears and kind of stopped her in her tracks. She won an award called the Hand. Hans Christian Andersen Award. Have you guys heard of that before? I have, yes. It is an international children's book award, for those that may not have heard of it. I hadn't heard of it before until this. Um, And it's a jury of about 18 uh, authors and illustrators that are from many different countries, and they vote on international book Awards. So there's many different authors from many different countries. I think about 72 countries are a part of the board that runs everything. Um, And I read an article that kind of calls it the little Nobel Prize because that's kind of how it's viewed in the book culture. It's very important. Um, So she won that award in 1998. And basically they give you that award for your entire, you know, collection as an author. Okay, cool. Um, and the author has to be uh, alive at the time. So, yeah, she won in 98. A couple other Americans have won. They do it every two years. Um, so right now uh, they're in the voting process, and then they'll announce the winner in 2018. And the American author that's up for the award is Pam Munez Ryan, which we've mentioned before. 
Yes, Pam. <laughs> she wrote um, Esperanza Rising, which I think was uh, was that the one that was up against Florin Ulysses? I think, I, I think so. Yeah, it, I know it got the honor. It didn't. It didn't win. And then she also wrote the book Echo, which I've heard is an amazing audio book. Yes, we need to listen to that. Yes, I want to. Yes. So anyway, that was, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know she had won that award. Um, okay, so a little history on Bridge to Terabithia and why she wrote this book. So the time she wrote this book, um, her son's best friend, who was, uh, who was a girl, was struck and killed by lightning when they were both eight years old. And then the previous spring, um, Catherine herself had been diagnosed with cancer. So her kids were very upset, and she was very upset, and just kind of dealing with those, you know, life is fragile kind of thoughts. Um, So she wrote this book kind of as a therapy, I think, (laughs) just trying to – I'll just read a little bit of what she said. She she said everything was a mess, and she said, of course, I could – I, if I could have done anything I wanted to do, I would have brought Lisa back from the dead, but I couldn't do that. And I couldn't even comfort my son who was totally distraught. So I did what writers often do when they can't do what they really want to do. They write a story to try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And you know that a story has to make sense. You have to have a beginning and middle and end. And when you get to the end, the end informs the beginning and middle. And it's not that it's an intellectual argument, but emotionally something has happened. So that's why I began to write the book, and people always want me to say that it comforted my son, but no, it was really for me. Mm-hmm. So I thought that um, was very insightful, <laughs> and uh, I think it's, uh, I read a little bit further on, and basically she said that her son can't really even read the book to this day. I mean, he's grown and has his own kids, oh, but sure. yeah. it's just Aww. too close to home. <laughs> um, so this is a little bit of a happier note. She was asked who has had the greatest influence on her life as a writer. And she said, you know, many people and books have influenced her. But she said, most of all, um, this is going to be a very emotional podcast. I just want to say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for picking this book, Leah. I'm so sorry. Um, so basically she said that her husband has had the most influence. She said he believed that I could write during all those years that no one wanted to publish anything I had written. He was the one that made me put writer on the IRS form instead of housewife. He's my first editor and my best booster. And no matter what I say, he always thinks I can write another book. And I just, I don't know why, but that, the fact that he made her put writer instead of housewife, like really, like I started tearing up when I first read that. Like that is just... Like, that is what a good marriage should be like, where your husband is, you know, in your corner like that and not squishing your desire to, you know, <laughs> be stuff. Yep. And I don't know. I think maybe because, you know, Joey's really been behind our podcast lately. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> That's great. Um, Another thing to mention, and I didn't say this before, she's married and has several children, and um, her husband is a Presbyterian minister. Okay. That's so good That's helpful. Re- yes, yes. So religious conviction definitely plays a big part in her writing. But um, 
someone asked her, you know, how does it affect your writing? And um, basically what she said I thought was amazing. And I think it can kind of tell us a bit about how we can effectively live our Christian lives as well. I just thought it was really great the way she phrased it. I'm sorry, I keep reading her stuff, but when you have someone that can just use words so well, mm-hmm. it's not, no, exactly. there's no point yeah. in trying to rephrase it. Um, so she says, I think it was Lewis, C.S. Lewis, who said something like, the book cannot be what the writer is not. What you are will shape your book, whether you want it to or not. I am Christian, so that conviction will pervade the book, even when I make no conscious effort to teach or preach. Grace and hope will inform everything I write. And then she talks a little bit. They wanted to know what she thinks about books these days, since we're kind of in a post-Christian society, which is what she calls it. Mm -hmm. She said, since we live in a post-Christian society... Uh, therefore, not many of those writers will be Christian or adherents of any of the traditional faiths. Self-consciously Christian or Jewish or Muslim writing will be sectarian and tend to propaganda and therefore have very little to say to persons outside that particular faith community. The challenge for those of us who care about our faith and about a hurting world is to tell stories which will carry the words of grace and hope in their bones and sinews and not wear them like a fancy dress. I that part of carrying the words of grace and hope in their bones and sinews and mm-hmm. not wear them like a fancy dress. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's, that's such beautiful. a beautiful phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good. Yeah. So, and then she has a word to writers. I always like when they speak out to future writers or people who are trying to write. Uh, she said, When a teacher, still a dear friend of mine in graduate school, suggested I ought to be a writer, I was appalled. I don't want to add another mediocre writer to the world, I said. Um, She helped me, it took years of nudging, to understand that if I wasn't willing to risk mediocrity, I would never accomplish anything. There are simply no guarantees. It takes courage to to lay your insights out for people to examine and sneer over. But that's the only way to give what is your unique gift to the world. I've often noted that it takes the thinnest skin in the world to be a writer. It takes the thickest to seek out publication, but both are needed. The extreme sensitivity and the hippo hide against criticism. Send your inner critic off on a vacation and just write the way little children play. You can't be judge and creator at the same time. Hey. I like it. You guys. I just... When you find an author like this that has such soul and even her interviews leave you like astonished and just marveling (laughs) at her gift with words and insight and I don't know. And I was, I don't know, it's, I love all authors, but sometimes it's nice to hear your Christian faith spoken about in such a unique and insightful way. So I enjoyed so much. So there's. She has her own website, and you can get a link to many different interviews and things with her. I'll also send that link to our editor, Lauren. <laughs> Thanks. But, so that is that is what I have on the dear Catherine Patterson. That's awesome. We love you forever, Catherine! <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, I wanted to touch on what you said about how she talked about, like, you know how, like, the author will, like, bleed through onto the page. Yes, yes. Um, so C.S. Lewis, there's many interviews 
uh, of him, but one of them I think is in the front of one of the books, The Chronicles of Narnia, where he says that he didn't write The Chronicles of Narnia like as an allegory for the Bible. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that's true, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I just think of that when I read that. Like, he didn't set out to write an allegory of the Bible, but his faith was so much a part of him that mm-hmm. it kind of came out that way. You, you couldn't know? help it. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, you can't read those books and not think of God and Jesus and redemption and grace and, mm-hmm. you know future grace and all of that like you just can't <laughs> you can't yeah. so yeah, yeah I... Um, and I just want to comment like I I love it when people are just themselves and yes. aren't ashamed of who they are and I think we could all learn a lot from that I know mm-hmm. I can I I tend to be the type of person that feels like I need to defend um you know, what I believe and all that. And yes, we need to give an answer for what we believe, but it's not up to me to convince people that I'm right. And I think that I often come into it with that mindset of, I need to say everything right and I need to know all the right answers um, or these people, you know, they're going to reject God and it's going to be my fault. And... (laughs) I'm glad that I've come to a point in my life where I realize it's, you know, I'm just supposed to be me and live live out my faith and, you know, share the gospel. And it's not up to me to convince other people that it's true or to believe it. Right. Um, like, let God do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. That's... That's just me. <laughs> Way to yeah, be and you, I do that for other things too. Like even like I do that for so many other things, not just like my faith, like books I read or things that I'm into. I just want <laughs> everyone to love it and see how awesome it is. And if they don't and they don't like it, it just like upsets me so much and I need <laughs> to like I need to let that go, you know. Right. Like, if yeah. they don't like it, they don't like it. <laughs> And nothing you say is going to make them like it. <laughs> right. Oh, so anyway. Um, and just kind of, I guess it's also a little C.S. Lewis related. Uh, I also read about the title, Bridge to Terabithia. Where did she mm-hmm. come up with Terabithia? So after she'd already written it, or nearly written it, she realized that there is an island in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Uh, by C.S. Lewis called Terabinthia. Yes. And she said, I'm sure I borrowed that unconsciously. But then so <laughs> so would Leslie, <laughs> who loved the Chronicles of Narnia. And by the way, Lewis got Terabinthia from the biblical Terabinth tree. So it wasn't original with him either. <laughs> yes. All like all artists yes, it's borrow all, from Everyone's derivative. Yes. <laughs> You find that in music and writing and art and everything. I love that she's a Narnia fan. She is. I know. Like, she, obviously, (laughs) Narnia is very, like, um, I mean, they come out and talk about it. There's there's another book that is referenced in this book, and I wondered if you guys picked up on it. 
It doesn't say the name of the book, and I think the only way you would know it, would recognize it, is if you've read the book. Can you read I the part remember. to us? Uh, sure. Where are my clues? <laughs> it's in chapter 6, page 72, and let's see. It's So Jess is reading a book, and his sister Brenda comes up and interrupts him. And it says, he tried to ignore her. He was reading one of Leslie's books, and the adventures of an assistant pig keeper were far more important to him than Brenda's sauce. I do not know that book. I do remember reading it, and I thought, I should probably know what that is, but I don't remember. <laughs> it's, uh, it's that book, um, the uh, the Priding Chronicles, and it's the, the Black Cauldron. Oh, book. Ah! I haven't read those yet. She gets yeah. lots of points for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> So they were like, oh, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> and I don't know if there's more of that in the book that I didn't pick up on, but I, I was like, oh, I know that one. Yay. <laughs> I enjoyed. I have to, to be totally honest. I didn't have a lot of phrases that I was highlighting. Actually, I didn't really highlight much. It was mainly like feelings and <laughs> right. yes, the way sure. she understood. Dan's life and I don't know she mentioned that she yeah (laughs) well she says she's writing for the hearts of children and trying to portray the hearts of children and you really get that in her writing seriously Mm -hmm. I was like like I never had like a place like Terabithia but like she just shot me back to like summer's uh Riding my bike and, you know, you right. have all sorts of crap in your imagination when you're a kid yeah. on your bike. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yes, I'm in the child's <laughs> imagination right <Yeah>. now. <laughs> yeah, this book for me, like at first I didn't really know how I felt about it because there is, I wouldn't say a lot of profanity, but more than I would like in a book. <laughs> I have information on that, but keep going. <laughs> okay, especially a children's book. Leah has the info. <laughs> and so, but the more I read it and, like, kind of got to the heart of this book and kind of thought about, like, who she was writing it for and, um, I don't know. I ended up loving this book so much. Like, this is kind of one of my new favorite books mm-hmm. ever. And I want right. to read it again. Um, <laughs> I think if I were reading this book, like, you know, when Nora gets older, I, I will definitely read this to her or read it with her. Um, might be something we, you know, maybe I'll change the word or maybe we can talk about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what do you have to say about that? So <laughs> in the frequently asked questions section, they asked her this on her website. Um, why why do you use swear words in your book? And mm-hmm. she also, I, we've talked about it before <laughs> when Mandy was not paying attention in our podcast. We are talking about Gilly Hopkins, mm-hmm. the movie, and <laughs> it was based on her book. So in that book, there's a lot of swearing, and Gilly is a very rough little girl because she has yes. gone through foster care and has had a rough life, and that's actually a book that has been banned and questioned and wanting to remove from library shelves so 
someone asked her, why do you use such harsh language in your books? And she said about Terabithia, Jess and his father talk like the people I knew who lived in that area. I believe it Mm -hmm. is my responsibility to create characters who are real, not models of good behavior. If Jess and his dad are to be real, they must speak and act like real people. Um, She said, I have a lot of respect for my readers. I do not expect them to imitate my characters simply to care about them and understand them. And I don't have it here, but I I heard her say um, that her characters are not supposed to be teaching like moral lessons really or to be role models. And she Mm -hmm. said somebody told her, Kelly Hopkins is just such an amazing role model. And she said, um, she bullied people and was mean to people that had like disabilities and she should not be a role model. (laughs) But (laughs) she said, you know, she wants you to see that kind of arc in these characters where they do have these problems, but they learn and they grow and, um, she's not about like putting out role models in that sense. And that's like, first of all, that's good storytelling. Mm. And second of all, it's real. Mm-hmm. And I think kids know that. They understand that they're not supposed to smack their sister in her face. Like, those right. kind of yeah. things are not out there to be instructional exactly. tales. Like, yeah. do this to your family. Yeah. And again, like, I say, I feel like I say this every time, but as parents, like, I just think it's very wise to read books with your kids or read them before your kid reads them. Yeah. So you not, not, I mean, maybe you'll read a book and you say, you know what, I don't want you to read this. Maybe that will happen. But I think even more so, so you'll know what's coming and you'll have an answer for them or you'll be able to talk about some of these things with them when you get to those parts of the book. And I think that, to help your kids even be inspired to read like hey I read this book it's really good you pass it along and then you can have a family discussion about it you know even the fun parts it's a bonding experience for you and your kid to talk about something instead of just like being on your devices all the time exactly (laughs) yeah I mean I remember one of like some of my most fond memories of my childhood with my mother like she would read she would read to us before we went to bed and it would just, mm-hmm. you know, and she, I, I think one of the stories she read to us was called the rainbow garden. And I couldn't tell you what it was about, but I just remember <laughs> like looking forward to that every night yeah. and just, you know, I want to know what's going to happen. There were def- I remember there were suspenseful parts and I think there was like a snowstorm or something. And right. I don't know, I just, and and it was also special because my mom, like, she brought the book in, and it was a very worn book, and she said, I read this when I was a little girl, and I was like, oh, cool, yep. you know, yep. like, <laughs> I don't know, it's special, you know, yep. so everyone should do that with their kids. Yeah. Mandy, what are your general thoughts on your Bridge to Terabithia experience? Why am I starting to cry? I haven't even spoken. <laughs> I think that's like everyone. Like, it's like, I what t- was your response to Bridget Terabithia? Tears. Tears. Just lots of tears. <laughs> well, because it's like, okay, so she, she takes you through, and you're having this, like, awesome summer, this childhood summer experience, which is beautiful in and of itself. 
And then you have the thing happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just... And I don't know. And I know a lot of people are like this, but I am one of those people that it is very easy for me to feel what what is meant to be felt. I can feel for other people, mm-hmm. and I can feel for, you know, what people write and stuff like that. So it just ripped my little heart out, this whole book. Yes. <laughs> I just... Yeah. But I love it all the same. I don't know. What have you done to me, Catherine? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, and I love the dog, too, because I, I recently Yay. got a dog. So I love the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I there's my review. I just, it was a very good all-around story and really an experience i have i have to say i haven't read a book in a long time where it's i've actually been like in it like you know how you just start reading yeah. and like you're just in it yeah. and that's yeah. what this was for me so high five Catherine. oh for real i read her <laughs> book jacob have i loved when i was a kid and i can't remember what it was about but I remember the feelings I had when I read it which is how I feel about this book it's because she just she makes you Mm -hmm. dive right in and feel it like I can still feel like there's definitely dark parts in that book and I can feel that like heaviness still when I think about that book which I read it when I was probably like 11 or 12 so it's been a while (laughs) to still (laughs) feel how I felt when I read the book She is good at what she does. Yes. The reason she has won all these awards. <laughs> yes. Well deserved. So thank you to Catherine's professor in college that convinced her to. Real. Yeah. And her sweet husband that tells, yes. tells her to keep going. Yes, for sure. Oh, goodness. Hmm. Well, do you guys want to talk about uh, characters? All right, so we have Jess, and he's kind of like the story is told from his point of view, I would say. Mm-hmm. He's the only boy in his family. He has four sisters, two older than him and two younger. One of his sisters, Maybell, who's, oh, I think she's six years old in this book. She, like, idolizes him and just Mm -hmm. worships him. (laughs) I thought it was so cute. Yeah. (laughs) So cute. And he likes her, too. Like, he appreciates her and sees her. Exactly. Like, he gets annoyed with her. Like, I think all siblings get annoyed with each other. But, yeah, he he definitely has a a kindred spirit. I was going to say, I feel like he likes her a little more than his other siblings. Sorry, Mm -hmm. but... I'm sure. I was saying he definitely does. Things he says about his other sister. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So I. And he he's very um he wants to impress his dad. He just wants to make his dad proud. I just kind of got the sense of that, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's just he's kind of he's definitely all boy. And the fact that he wants to make his dad proud and he's doing chores like milking the cow and at school he wants to be the fastest runner. But at the same time, like, he's an artist and he likes to draw and he's in love with his music teacher. So he's definitely a well-rounded character, I would say. Right. Mm -hmm. And he also 
um, <clears throat> it's kind of heartbreaking too how he just longed for some affection from his father. Yes. Because he was the only boy, he saw his sisters, you know, with his little sisters being picked up and hugged. And, yes. you know, there was a moment where he was kind of wishing like that his dad would show some sort of affection toward him right. too. But, and I think in those cultures, sometimes you're just supposed to be the tough man and you can't show right. affection to your son mm-hmm. because that's, that's not how you treat a boy. <laughs> Well, right, and I wonder right. if I mean he's he wasn't the only boy too, so I wonder I don't know. Part of that played a part for me in the way I perceived it. It's like you're the only boy. Yeah. Be the man. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. But and, and you know I don't know I've seen it in cultures like southern sometimes culture like where our family came from. <laughs> That's kind of the mindset that, like, the boy has to be tough. You don't show Mm -hmm. him sympathy and you don't show him, you know, the same kind of tender affection you would show a girl because that makes him weak. So you need to toughen him up and he can't have sensitivity or, like, he's embarrassed to tell people that he's into art because they're going to make fun of him. Like, that's the kind of culture Mm -hmm. that he's in. Yes. Which is sad. That that does still exist. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we don't have to go down this road, but I just think it's stupid that like we've assigned like, you know, only girls can like this stuff and only right. boys can like this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> How are we? I'm, sick yeah, of, I'm sick of. I'm sick of going to the store and seeing all these Star Wars t-shirts and such for boys, and there's nothing for girls. I know. I'm mm-hmm. sick of it. And shout out to all the women out there that are who are doing yes. their part to make a difference in that area. <laughs> Her universe. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Ashley Eckstein. Uh, anyway. anyway. <laughs> get that all out, Lauren. Yeah, I think I'm good. (laughs) So we have Leslie, who's the new kid in town and doesn't play by the norms. No. Doesn't really care. But I love her. Which is awesome. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She's like, oh, I want to run. I'll run with the boys. Right. Mm And she's just totally unfazed by any negativity coming from the boys or from right. the other students. I mean, I, I know she is, but she just keeps going. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to run <laughs> and I'm going to beat all of you. Right. right. And, it's like, and then like as you get further and like she sort of gets made fun of for not having a TV or whatever, um, like you can tell that upsets her a little bit. I mean, she's crying in the bathroom, so obviously it upsets her. Right. Mm-hmm. But I like what happens later on when we're kind of jumping around, and that's okay. So the bully at school, who's a girl, Janice Avery, um, she is crying in the bathroom one day, and so Leslie goes in and talks to her and, you know, gives her some advice and says, you know what? You know, just, you know, whatever people are saying about you, just act like you don't know what they're talking about. And in a few weeks, it'll all go away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she can give that advice because she's, you know, mm-hmm. she does that. Yeah, like, right. that's how she lives her life. Smart kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love her. 
<laughs> I love just and her love for reading mm-hmm. and just her imagination and mm-hmm. I love that she shares her love of reading with Jess and like mm-hmm. suggests books for him to read and all of that. Just cool. Yeah. I think it's neat too how she the author used her to show it seemed like she used her to show kind of the power of reading. <laughs> She's very into reading, and she's also very good at school. (laughs) (laughs) It helps you become more successful. (laughs) Yes, for sure. For sure. And it seemed like Leslie um, was a bit, was fearless almost. Mm -hmm. She wasn't afraid of a challenge. She's not afraid. I don't know. She just didn't seem to be afraid of anything. And I think... That was a bit intimidating for Jess because he had a lot of fears. Mm-hmm. And it made him feel even worse about his fears because he could yes. see her fearlessness. And, yeah. And then he realized even more how fearful he was in everyday life. Right. I enjoyed being a part of his mind in those moments. Yes. Because I have had those moments myself quite often. Like, what mm-hmm. is wrong with me? Why am I so <laughs> stupid? Like, why do I keep doing this stupid thing? <laughs> right? You're just, it's everyone's internal voice. It's like, I know I shouldn't be feeling this, but I am. And right. I'm really annoyed with it. Mm-hmm. For sure. So let's talk about Jess's parents. I got the impression that... To me, they felt very boring and dull and lacked any kind of character qualities. I don't know. Other than negative character qualities. Yeah, at least Jess's mom, anyway. I His dad, you can definitely see a change in him at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, when he goes to Jess and... And, you know, he literally picks him up and carries him and, you know, calms him down. And mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like, I mean, she, okay, so his mother is at home all the time with however many children there are. Right. You know, and he has to leave at the crack of dawn every day to go wherever. So, like, while they're boring, like, I kind of understand why the characters are the way they are though from the life that is oh, portrayed. Yeah. I yeah. I agree. Oh yeah. They're just they're, they're just trying to get by, and man. Right. <laughs> we got all these mouths to feed. <laughs> no, I totally I totally get that. And that's I was gonna say that about Jess's mom. I'm just like I'm not judging her. Like, <laughs> I have one child and some days I'm like that. So <laughs> I couldn't imagine having five children yeah. Uh, well, and she even oh, yeah. changes at the I end when she it. serves him up a whole bunch of pancakes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love so did that. I. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I just I love you know how at the end like Jess's dad finally gives him gives Jess the affection that mm-hmm. he's been been craving. Yes. Well, and I feel like in that sense. I don't know, like the whole, maybe it was a whole manly man thing that he was going for, but I feel like when what stuff happens, like what happened in the book, I feel like it just reminds people that show a little love, man. 
Oh, exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, it reminds them, like, life is fragile and we don't know. Right. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. So let let the people around you know that you love them and you care about them. So, yeah, I definitely think moments like that in our lives are a big reminder of that. I also got the sense, um, I think intentionally, that his dad had also been through been through the same situation losing a friend and it kind of made him connect more with his son and realize that he needed what he knew what he needed at that Mm -hmm. point he knew that he needed the affection and and the love of his father (laughs) and it was just such a sweet moment it was sweet yeah I didn't cry when Leslie died I cried when his dad like picked him up. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's yes. I cried there. Yeah. I didn't cry at that moment, but I cried at everything yeah. after. I, I yep. cried really hard when he went back to Terabithia. Oh yes. um, my goodness! Yeah, I sobbed. Rip your heart out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I'm gonna stop talking because I'm losing it. But <laughs> maybe by the time we get to the themes, I'll be, I'll be put Let's together so. to say what I wanted to say. <laughs> so we have Leslie's parents, who are both authors. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that when Jess looks at their family, he wishes that his family was like that family, mm-hmm. and not that Leslie's parents are perfect or whatever, but. I, th- I think it's just that, you know, the grass is greener mentality, you know, right. it's like, oh, well, your family must be better because it's not my family, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think he could sense as well, I mean, they are definitely more artistic and mm-hmm. more <laughs> inclined to appreciate that, and so I'm sure he felt right. less less strange in that environment. Yes, yes for sure. <clears throat> and... I I wasn't thinking about this when I was reading the book, but I um I mean they made they made this book into a movie like ten years ago, right? Ten or eleven years ago. Something like that. I mean, I don't know, I remember Casey watching it, so Yeah. Josh Hutcherson is mm-hmm. he plays Jess and he was in the Hunger Games, so <laughs> <laughs> it was obviously a few years ago. <laughs> Because he's, yeah. he's like a baby in it. <laughs> anyway, I was looking up clips of the movie. Because I, I still haven't seen the whole movie put together. But I was just looking up clips of it. And um, they show a shot of, like, after Jess finds out that Leslie has died. And he just doesn't believe it. And he, like, runs. Like, he's, like, running over to go to her house. And as he gets closer, he sees, like, police cars in the in the yard and like her parents are outside and I, I don't know. Some like seeing that picture to me was just like, I don't know, like just the devastation and the fact that she's their only child and like just how heartbreaking that would be. Yeah. Yes. That is, that is how this book goes, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're listening this far, I'm going to hope you've read it, but (laughs) If for some reason you haven't, read it with a box of Kleenex. Oh, gosh. But yes. read it. Let us not, let this not discourage <laughs> you. Yes, like, it's so good. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, okay, and then we have Prince Terry and the dog. <laughs> I love him. Yes. I was just so happy when Jess found the dog and was able to give Leslie a present. I just yes. I was rooting for him. That so was time. I. And then when yes. that came up, I was like, He's oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I just love it. And of course, like the adult in me is like, are her parents going to let her keep a dog? I mean, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) But of course they did because it's a book and you can do whatever you want in a book. (laughs) Well, they live in the country, so at least you can just keep it outside if you don't want it in the house. (laughs) There's logic in my mind when it comes to these (laughs) sweet moments. Like, she's not going to get to keep it. What if she's allergic? Right? <laughs> wow. No. I don't know if you've ever seen people's posts on Facebook, maybe around Valentine's Day or Christmas, and they're like, oh, my husband bought me a puppy. And I just, <laughs> I was like reading one of those posts one, this was several years ago, and I looked at Michael and I said, if you ever get me a puppy for Valentine's Day or Christmas, I will be so mad at you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, do not bring home an animal. Without talking to me first. I would hope that those people have, yeah, many months before. Like at least talked about like getting a getting an animal. But yeah, I was like, just that is not the surprise that I want in my life. Especially a puppy, because I can vouch for the amount of work that you would be dumping on someone with that as a gift. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure well let's get into some themes guys now we can really let out our tears I don't know if I'm ready <laughs> Great. clean out our I don't sinuses know if I'm ready <laughs> okay let's do it well we'll start with an easy one loneliness and no, isolation that's easy oh, that's so easy <laughs> um, that's definitely a big theme in this book I mean you, you have Jess who's the only boy in his family and even in school it doesn't seem like he has very many friends and then Leslie is obviously the new girl in town and even the bully at school Janice Avery you know feels lonely so there's definitely that mm-hmm. sense of just wanting to fit in do you guys have any thoughts on that well, I'm going to go there. So, um, so like, Jess at the beginning of the book is lonely. And then at the end of the book, he's lonely for a different reason. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because he has, he has something to, I mean, he had a friend and he wasn't lonely. And now that friend is gone. And now he feels all alone again. And just... I mean, you just see him go through the stages of grief and he's just, he's angry, you know, he's just like, he's mad at Leslie for dying, you know, like as like, you know, it doesn't make sense to have thoughts like that, but we've all had thoughts like that when something traumatic happens, like you just start blaming Mm -hmm. people and it doesn't make sense. (laughs) (sighs) Anyone else? (laughs) I just, I'm trying. I don't know if I can do it, Lauren. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I just, I can't. 
she did a good job. She did a good job because she like made Leslie my friend too. And and so I'm in pain. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. I look how fresh this is for you, Mia. Yeah, I'm still going yeah, through the stages of grief. I'm angry too. Okay. So, man, did you did you know before no, you read this? No, I knew that, that something bad die? happened, but I didn't okay. know what. Okay. So, yeah, I was very um, yeah, that sucked. See. I mean, on the back of the book, it says... I didn't read the back of the book, Lauren. <laughs> That's smart. I recommend not yeah. reading it. On the back <laughs> of the book, you. it says, One morning, Leslie goes to Terabithia without Jess, and a tragedy occurs. And so I just was like, okay, thanks for spoiling that. Right. <laughs> so then the whole time I'm reading the book, I'm like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And then it finally happened, and like, I was glad that it was like... Uh, like, Jess finds out about it. Like, we don't have to, like, read how she died. Right, and, like, right. I don't like, know. Like, he I'm finds that... her or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I don't know if I could have handled that. Yeah. So. So, yeah. I... And, yeah. And, and, like, I was like you, Mandy. I didn't know, like, exactly what was going to yeah. happen. I just could kind of. Well, and I have one of those, like, besides the fact that I knew something bad was going to happen, I mean, like, something bad could have been anything. But I just have, like, these, I'm really good with the gut instincts when I'm reading along in books, man. So it's like, the further I got, when I get to, like, the one part, I'm like, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. I don't know what it is. And then it happened. Yep. And I'm sad. And, but, like, good on her, because, I mean, like, not cool that this is something that her son went through, or what, it was her son, yes? Yes. yes. But, you know, good on her for portraying that for other people, because there are other people like that out there that have experienced this. Yes. And, and I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine losing yes. a friend I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I mean, I I didn't, you know, obviously I never had a friend die when I was a kid. But yeah, I can imagine it being really tough and like just the thought of losing one of you two like um that would, that would be really hard. And I don't know I wouldn't know what to wear every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's like, and if you think back, like, I mean, I know loss is bad for everyone, but if you think back to when you're a child and the simplicity of being a child, and, like, when you're a child Mm -hmm. and you have a friend like that, like, you have a routine. Like, you come home and and you go play. And so to have something like that happen, I can't. I can't even imagine. Like, that's... Uh, your every day is just gone. Yeah, it's messed up your life. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, like... And I like... Uh, this isn't my, like... My uh, original thought. I, I've just read a lot about this book and people's reactions to it. Um, I think I read this on Goodreads, but someone made the comment about, like, how, like... I mean, Jess and Leslie, like, they were going to Terabithia... 
to escape the realities of life. And now Jess has to deal with this reality of his friend being gone. Like, it's, it's, it's shoved him back into reality, this event, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I think it's so true. Like, when you're a kid, like, <laughs> you don't, like, the majority of your life is imaginary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just right. is, you know? Like, at least it was for me. <laughs> so <And> for me. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you're just always imagining things and pretending and just that's that's how it is. And, and whether or not we're doing it on purpose to escape, you know, the harshness of life or that's just how kids are or whatever, you know, things happen in your life that force you back into reality <laughs> and it sucks, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I just, like, I just remember the day my parents told us they were getting divorced and just... <laughs> It just sucked, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just trying to be a kid here, and now I'm being forced to grow up a little bit here. Right. Mm-hmm. And deal with mature adult things that I don't want to deal with and that I shouldn't have had to deal with, but such is life. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think it is so beautiful, though, how she portrayed... Because he, he was lonely, and he did go through that loneliness, and then he had his amazing time with his friend and then mm-hmm. as he's coming out of that time trying to deal with the new loneliness which I feel like is even more intense because now he knows what it's like to have mm-hmm. a best friend right I think it's really beautiful how he kind of brings his sister along <laughs> to Tabithia yes. and yes. see he sees her loneliness for the first time yeah. mm-hmm. and sees her need for Terabithia yes. and because he's had to grow up now yes. he has these more grown-up views on his sweet little sister that he loves so much. Mm-hmm. He realizes that she needs this too, you know, and, and he needs yeah. her as well. But I just thought yeah. that was kind of a – it is kind of an instructional way for kids mm-hmm. to see, like, hey, take this pain and use it, you know, exactly. to grow and to help those around you. That was – that was the point of the book where just the tears just oh, <laughs> it's crocodile tears. Like I was just like, oh my goodness! And I'm just sitting there <sighs> wiping my eyes, like, cause yeah, it was it was just so beautiful, mm-hmm. and yeah, it just that part of the book for me was the most emotional. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, let's move on <laughs> to bullying, which is a very um. I would say it's a strong theme in this book mm-hmm. and like how Jess and Leslie and Maybell deal with the school bully. Like <laughs> I, I found it funny what they did to her. So did I. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was the right thing to do. Pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, they didn't really hurt her. They just, they were very clever about it. <laughs> oh, um, goodness. But yeah, I mean, bullying is a very real thing. Um, it could be something very minor or something, I guess, as far as physical violence or whatever. It's a very real thing. And I just like how how Catherine Patterson kind of gets to the heart of it. Like, Janice, there's a reason that she is the way that she is. Mm-hmm. Like, she's... She's not just waking up every day and thinking, I want to be mean to everybody. Like, 
you know, her father beats her and that has affected her in a big way. How could it not? <laughs> you know, right. so um, just to remember that when somebody says something to you or treats you poorly, to remember you're not seeing the whole picture and to try your best to respond with grace and love and I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way. Like, if, no. right. <laughs> if it's a dangerous situation, like, stay away and... Tell someone. You know. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> tell someone. But remember that there's most likely something going on that you don't know about. So. Good job, Lauren. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Were you guys ever bullied as children? Or adults, I guess. I guess it can happen to adults. I, I don't think so. I wouldn't consider it. I don't know. Bullying. We. I maybe. I don't. I don't know. I just. I'm sure there probably was bullying at our school, but for the most part, we were all kind of family at that point because right. we all grew up together and went I to, mean, school, I was to church together. I slightly and, like, made fun of for my weight, and now I look back and, man, I'd kill to be that weight again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all would want to be the weight we were in high school so. again. <laughs> I think the only forms of bullying that I had came from adults. <laughs> Hmm. And we're just going to leave that there. <laughs> we'll just leave that right there. <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah, I get what you're saying now. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not, like, not my parent, not not my mom or anything like that. Like, just no, to no, be no, clear. No. Yeah, not our parents. <laughs> not our parents. Yeah. <laughs> Distant relatives that were bullies. Yes, but if, uh, yeah, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, it happened to me too. <laughs> yes. That, I think that's the only bullying yeah. I've ever endured. And well, I just want to say this. When you're talking to children or anybody, like anybody, just, <sighs> I don't be know. Kind. Like just, yes, be kind. Like, just that's a simple, easy rule. Like, just be kind. Mm -hmm. That's it. Be kind to people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay. So the next. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> On to death, loss, and grief. Well, let's talk about fear first. Did we already? Oh, no. We didn't talk about that yet. We were talking about. Bullying. Aren't they kind of hand in hand? <laughs> well, I just want to talk about like. It just seems like Jess's fear is what defines him until the very end of the book. I like, am with him <laughs> on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I wish I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what I was saying with being inside of his head was like a little bit of therapy. Like, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have those mm -hmm. thoughts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And, like, I don't know, it's just, like, the whole book he's afraid. He's afraid of what his dad thinks of him. He's afraid of, you know, what the kids at school think of him. He's afraid to tell people that he's an artist. Mm -hmm. He's afraid to swing across the, the rope, you right. know? Like, all these things that he's scared of. 
you know, he was even afraid to ask Leslie to go with them on their little DC trip. And even the strength of his fear, like how it can just prohibit you from mm-hmm. <laughs> being very able. paralyzing. Yeah. yeah. I'm raising my hand right now. Okay, yeah. tell us. Yes, your thoughts. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, I, I, I can totally relate. And it can be something as silly as like asking someone about something or... Mm-hmm. You know, talking, just talking to people. I just, I'm scared to talk to people because I'm scared of what they'll think of me. And up until about two years ago, I had our mother make my doctor's appointments for me. So, right. (laughs) I don't, I just, I just know that I'm missing out on stuff. And I just think back to when I was in college, like there were so many things that I didn't do because I was scared. And, and I don't know what I was scared of. Right. (laughs) I can't pinpoint what it was I was scared of, but I don't know. Like, I was scared to talk to people. I was scared to get involved in certain, you know, like, I don't know, organizations or whatever. Like, there was just a lot of stuff when I was in college that I didn't get involved in. And I, and I, I'm not blaming it on anything, but I, I think it's because I went, you know, I grew up, you know, kindergarten through, Uh, my senior year of high school, I went to the same school. It was a Christian school. We were very sheltered. And then when I went to college, I went to the community college here in town. And so, like, it's just a completely different world than, than, you know, the Christian school, you know? Right. And so I was scared to talk to people and whatever. I I feel like like it's like a fear of judgment. To be honest. Yeah. If I can take it there. Which is really what he's afraid of, too. He doesn't want people to know that he's into art. Because he doesn't want to be judged for that. Or whatever. And I get it, man. I'm right there with you, Jess. (laughs) We are spirit. Kindred spirits. That's what we are. Yes. With him. For sure. And I'm with you, Lauren. Friendship. (laughs) i think i most related to his fear of swinging over the water (laughs) i definitely have a fear of water and it is a paralyzing fear like i remember um well of course i remember it wasn't that long ago but joey and i went on a trip to palau where his brother lives is this island country and they have this bridge that you can go under it and you jump off into the water and then you just kind of swim to the edge. Well, it's basically this bridge is connecting one island to the other. And so the water you're jumping into is the ocean that's moving very rapidly in one direction. And so if you don't swim successfully, you're just like swept out into the ocean. And so like his family, they're all very brave, extrovert, like, love the water people my husband totally loves the water and I am just not like that I don't like danger (laughs) which seems like a logical statement but (laughs) somehow that makes me different and (laughs) uh maybe slightly more intelligent but uh (laughs) not calling you out and I fear the water (laughs) 
And I just did not want to do it. And I actually like wore a life jacket because I was so nice. And he was like, you have to do this. Like he he understands that I have a lot of paralyzing fears that are illogical Mm -hmm. and I need to get over. And so that's how he was thinking about it. And so he's just like, Mm -hmm. you you need to do this. And so I did it and nearly had a panic attack and like wow. he had to like help me get out of the water <laughs> and he was like okay you obviously <laughs> don't need to do this <laughs> yeah but like i get that like paralyzing like i will go to washington dc before i have to go swing over this like creek like yeah right exactly yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I definitely was like, I don't blame you for not wanting to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I just love at the end of the book where, you know, when his sister, you know, when, when his sister's trying to cross and she's stuck and he's trying to help her get across and she says, I'm scared, I'm too scared. And he's like, of course you're scared. Anybody would be scared, you know. Yes. Like, he has just accepted that, you know yes. what, sometimes we get scared. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? like, and sometimes we need help and I'm going to yeah, help you. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I don't know, for me, that was just like, yeah, it's okay to be scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just like that. And just how he is now like accepted it. And, you know, he's not scared of being scared now, basically. I, I really liked that moment a lot. <laughs> All right. Let's move into death loss and grief do we have i don't want (laughs) (laughs) to we sort of been talking about it this whole time Mm -hmm. okay you guys have any thoughts um i've (laughs) i think i've already gotten it all out okay i think i just if you guys will humor me and if we don't like this i can cut it out um, of the podcast, but, um, so in the past few, probably this past year, just some things have happened where God has been changing my, um, kind of perspective on death and how I view death and how I, um, how I respond to death and how I, how I communicate with people who have had a loss in their family. Um, I'll just, I'm, I'm not good at that. I don't know what to say. My first instinct is just to not say anything and to not talk about the person that has died because I don't want to say anything stupid. I don't know what to say. And I sometimes I have this idea that if I talk about the person that has died, that will be painful to the family to think about. And I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way, um, but that's just me. And and I'm glad, I don't know, I'm just glad that I've been learning a lot and just my view of death has changed. Um, So I just... I'd been thinking about it a lot and it was just weighing on me. So this was several months ago that I just, I just got out my journal and started writing because I wanted to process it all. And just, I just wanted to get my thoughts out. Like I had no one, I have, I still have no intention of like 
sharing it with anybody or writing a blog post or anything like that. Like, I just needed to get them out. So, um, I'm going to read some of what I wrote and it's, um, you guys know me before I like publish something that I've wrote like online, I'm, I, I do a lot of editing and rereading and stuff. <laughs> so this is definitely like a very rough draft. <laughs> um, this was just me writing as I was thinking, um, um, but anyway, so I said, lately I've been thinking a lot about death, not necessarily my own death, but just the reality of death and how we experience death regularly in our lives. We experience the deaths of loved ones, the deaths of loved ones of our friends and acquaintances, and we hear of deaths of others in our communities and around the world on a daily basis. There are so many different aspects of this reality, and I have meditated on several in my life on previous occasions. How sin is what causes this in our world and how all humans must um, succumb to death because of the fall. I wrote, um, Jesus' victory over death gives us, uh, who have placed our faith and trust in him, um, hope. And we too will have um, victory over the grave when he comes again. But until then, we must live with this reality that death is a part of life. Um, I don't like funerals. Seeing bodies in a coffin makes me uncomfortable. I agonize over what to say to the family of the deceased. What could I ever say to make this better? Uh, sorry, the level of uncomfortableness increases the more devastating the loss. Um, and then I just went on to write about um, a loss that was very fresh in my mind. Um, it was um, a family I know. They lost their baby and it was just, it was shocking and um, obviously um, very devastating. And uh, it was just one of those moments where I just, you just, you think, how, like, why does this happen? Like, how could God allow this to happen? And um, I just remember going to the hospital and... Um, like I had, you know, bought them flowers and a card and some chocolate and I was just going to send it in with someone else to go in to, to give it to them because I just, I couldn't go in there because I, I just felt like I can't do this. I don't know what to say. And so finally they convinced me to go in and I don't know, it was just a very healing moment to just see them and... I mean, we all just stood there and cried, but it was just so healing because, you know, it just, it was almost like we were all like non-verbally saying to each other, it's okay to cry and it's okay to be sad. And sometimes you just need people to stand in the room and cry with you and you don't have to say anything profound. Um, sometimes you don't have to say anything at all, um, but just... I just remember she looked up at us because it was a group of um, of us who have um, had babies in the NICU. And um, so she just looked up at us and she said, I want to thank you for being here and coming to see me because I know how hard this is for all of you. And it means so much to me that you would just be here. And just hearing her say that, just it just completely changed my thoughts on, on 
just how to approach someone who has experienced loss. Like you don't, you don't have to have the right things to say. You, you just need to be there and, um, and let them know that you're here. And sometimes you just got to stand there and cry. Um, and I just, uh, to add to that, like I, like a, a, probably a few weeks after that, well, when I went in the room, they had their baby in there with them. And at first I was a little weirded out by that, I'll be honest. And she was dressed in this beautiful gown, the hospital there, they have this program where they take, um, they have volunteers who will take wedding dresses and make them into these gowns for um, babies that have died. And so it was this beautiful white gown and she just, she just looked so perfect and beautiful and you know, her mom was like, look, you know, her hair's red and like, just look how beautiful she is. And like, who do you think she looks like? And just all these things. And I just thought, wow, like this is beautiful. Like they're celebrating this baby girl. You know, they're not trying to forget about it. They're choosing to remember her and to celebrate her. Just, you know, and that was just really beautiful to me. And so anyway, so a few weeks later, I read this article about it was this retirement home or like a, a nursing home and somebody had died in the nursing home and I guess normally their protocol was, would be to take the body out the back door. Well, this time for whatever reason, I don't know if it wasn't possible or something, they had to bring it out through the front. And of course, there's all these people out there. Um, but it was, they said, you know what? this is a reality and instead of like hiding this we're gonna like celebrate this person's life and it, they said it was just so neat when they brought you know brought the body out that everyone just kind of stopped and was very respectful and just kind of I don't know it was just kind of a beautiful moment uh, instead of it being awkward you know and I don't know just to me it was just and I don't know I'm just learning like it doesn't have to be weird or awkward. It can be beautiful and we can remember these people and remember how they have um, touched our lives and touched the lives of others around them and and their memory will live on in us. Um, anyway, so thank you for humoring me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that's, that's very good and very true and I think all of us could probably relate to that unless I don't know I'm sure there's probably someone out there that's just amazing at dealing with right yeah and dying but it's true when you I don't know I I do think in some ways my husband is better at handling situations like that because he's been through it with his own parents right. and I think when you've had death so close to you um, it's easier a little bit to relate right. to others mm -hmm. going through it. And yeah, he, I've just seen him before, especially there's been an instance where, you know, young children have lost their parents as he did. And he was just so good at talking to them and not mm -hmm. being afraid and right. knowing, you know, how to handle it when I would have been right. like, Oh dear. No, <laughs> there's <Yeah>. no way. <laughs> yeah. But, and I, I, yeah. And I think God, he, he causes us to go through things like that so we can be a help to other people. Like, I just think mm -hmm. of this family that lost their baby. Like, they're going to be a huge help to other families. 
because mm-hmm. they'll know exactly what they've they've gone through and they'll know exactly what to say. <clears throat> Glad I washed my eye makeup off before this. <laughs> Do you have anything to add, Mandy? No, I you guys are solid on this. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm the same as Lauren. I have a difficult time, but I mean, I've always I've always just kind of tried to be there because like like Lauren said, because in my mind that's always been the thing. Like I don't know what to do, but I can at least you know, go and see whoever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think one of the hardest things is I don't like I had a friend that lost a baby and I became close to this friend like years later and so I knew of their baby but you just I never knew how to address it like sometimes I would think of a question like just a caring question that I would want to ask but then I would be afraid of bringing it up and she actually ended up telling me one time that she was really grateful when people would mention their baby because she felt like it was a way of honoring his memory and just by ignoring it, it almost, it's like you're trying to make it seem like it never happened, but he did happen. And by addressing him and talking about him, remembering his birthday and things like that, um, it was a way of healing for for her, but also... You know, just a way to keep his memory alive, and she loved hearing people say his name and things like that. So, I don't know. That was insightful to me, and maybe that will be helpful for others that might be going through that. But yeah, and like, it's important that we remember people that we've lost, and just to talk about them and share memories of them and think of them and. You know, just remember what they've con- contributed to your life and and celebrate it. You know, like yeah. take take the good that they gave to the world and pass it on. You know, yeah. um, and I I just that's what Jess does with Leslie. You know, mm-hmm. you know when he when he builds the bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> oh, Lauren. I had dried it, Lauren. I had dried it. <laughs> I don't know. Like he could have just kept that for himself, right? Or never gone back mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead, he chooses to to keep going and to bring in yeah. Maybell. And I like to think that eventually he brought in his other little sister. And I don't know. Like he he chooses to to keep going and to to celebrate that and take the good that Leslie was for him and share that. I like to think that him and Maybell became best friends and then he grows up and goes to art school. Is there a sequel? <laughs> no, and they actually asked I need her to hope, I need to like know what happens to be. Jess. Does he go to art school? She said that she <laughs> I'm sure he does. But she said she said that she felt like Jess had earned his privacy. So I don't know what that means, but mm. there's no more sequels. Well, okay. and I that's the fun of books is you can you can you get to think about what happened next. Yep. You know, when there isn't a sequel or like I'm thinking of 
TV shows that we loved so much and they decided to do a revival and now my entire view of that show is tainted. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to know what the sequel exactly. <laughs> I liked my idea of what happened next better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I did want to talk about the guilt that Jess feels for Leslie's death. You know, if, if he hadn't have gone on that trip to DC or if he had yes. invited her with them like this wouldn't have happened and I think we all go through like no matter if you if someone has died or just if something upsetting has happened to you and just retracing everything and rethinking it and thinking if I had just done this or if I had just done that um it would have been different like I just I remember when my parents got divorced thinking Oh, you know, and it was just, it was very illogical stuff. Like, I remembered that, I remember that day, and my mom had asked me to do something, and I didn't do it right away. And so then later, when they told us they were getting a divorce, I thought, it's because I didn't obey my mom right away. Like, this is it. This is why they're getting a divorce. Like, it was just, you know, just the way that it's called mind works. <laughs> I was part of this, man. I'm allowed to laugh, okay? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, so I was blaming myself, or I would blame you, Mandy, because yeah, I was a little you, butthole. Yeah, you were not a well-behaved child, <clears throat> and so a lot of their arguments were over how to discipline you. Really? And so I viewed. I don't you remember know, well, this Mandy is the problem. If Mandy, if Mandy would just be better, then my parents would, you know, <laughs> stay wow. together. I am learning some new stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like I resented you or anything. I just, you just, as a child, you want to fix it and you want to make it better. And I mean, that's just my personality anyway. I'm a control freak. And so I was just like trying to think like, are you though? What what do we need to change to fix this? You know, (laughs) I had no idea my whole life. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Well, I, I hope that you now understand that none of that is true. No, I get that. Cause like every family goes through how to discipline their children, you know, like, Mm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and anyway, we don't have to get into this, but you know, like that wasn't the reason that they got divorced. <laughs> I wasn't the reason they got divorced. It's because she's a Cubs fan. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> or like I don't know. When my daughter was born early, I just was like. I shouldn't have eaten so many donuts or, you know, just, just trying to think, like, what? <laughs> oh, goodness. And I, I, I know that that's the control freak in me because yeah. if, I, if I could find something that says that's why it happened, then I, I can make sure it doesn't happen again, you know? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in my situation, they don't know why it happened. Mm-hmm. And that's very scary to me because I want to be in control, you know? Um, but, yeah, I think everybody goes through stuff like that where you mm-hmm. you blame yourself well and that type of guilt you're right it is about having control and mm-hmm. wanting to be able to to fix something or control it and right and 
I struggle with that as well. And I always, when I can feel that feeling coming on, I try <laughs> to remind myself that, okay, so what if I could change something? God is in control. Like, whatever happens. Like, yep. if he wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And yep. my, you know, my genius plans are not, <laughs> right. not going to change as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's very comforting to me. <laughs> yes. Because he's not a God who, like, if he were a God who was just like, I'm going to do whatever I want and I don't care, um, that would be very scary. Right. But we know that, that God is holy and just and righteous and loving, you know. Mm-hmm. So it may seem like what is happening is terrible um, and unfair but he loves us and what he's doing is best for us. And it can be really hard. And I believe that Jesus weeps with us just like he did with Lazarus's family, mm-hmm. even though he knows what's hap- going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. You know, he knows like it's going to be okay. And I have something so amazing planned for you. But right now you got to go through the dirt and the mire, <laughs> you know, like it's going to be hard, but He's with us, and he cares for us, and so it's very comforting comforting to me to know that God is sovereign, and he knows what's best for us so much better than we know, and I, I don't know, like, if I didn't have that faith, I would be a wreck, <laughs> right. because, I don't know, <clears throat> just with everything we went through with Nora, like, I would just be a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I was a wreck anyway, but I would be even more of a wreck. <laughs> well, do you guys have any any other thoughts on this book before we move on a little bit? I do not. I highly recommend it. <laughs> yes, as do I. Five stars. Two yeah. thumbs. I want to reread it. This way, is, way up. This is the first book I've read in a long time that I want to reread. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. That's high praise from you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> normally I read a book and I'm like, okay, I've got the knowledge. Right. I'm good. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I've learned what I can from this book. It's like, I know what this is about. Why do I need to read it again? But right. this book, I don't know. I just, it's more, it's not just about what happens. It's about how you feel when you read it. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's very good. Yes. Well, guys, we got a little bit of listener feedback on <gasps> Facebook about this Did book. we? Exciting. We did. So, Stacy says, I think that this is still my absolute favorite book of all time. And Amanda says, this is a life-changing book, my all-time favorite for sure. And I know these two ladies. Um, I worked with them when I was a teacher. And, um... So I asked Amanda because she taught fifth grade um, for several years. And so I said, did you ever read this book with your students? And and I, I was just wondering because of the profanity in right. it, you know. So right. I, just, I was just curious. And thankfully she responded and she said that her sixth grade teacher read it to their class. And she says, I remember checking it out over and over as a kid. Mm. Wow. And then she said, I read it to one group of fifth graders. And she said, I just tried to read it without those words or rephrased what it right, said. Yeah. So, <laughs> when you're an 
not the parent, I think sometimes you have to be a little bit more cautious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was thankful for her feedback and just that insight. Because I've always taught littles, you know, so I've never right. taught the older kids. So I just, I don't know what I would have done. So I was, I was interested to hear what she thought about that. Um, and then we've gotten several people after reading those comments on that thread say, man, I, I haven't read this book, but now I want to. Oh, <laughs> um, and great. just other people asking, do you think my child would like this? And so, yeah, I'm excited that we're sharing the love, guys. Oh, we're sharing the love, love for Terabithia. <laughs> and reading. Yes. Still yes. trying to get that through with myself. Working <laughs> <laughs> on it. Catherine did a good job. She's she's lit a fire in me again. Yeah. And I just, like, this is the only book of hers that I've read, but I did check out that The Great Gilly Hopkins movie on Netflix after Leah mentioned it last time. And that, I mean, that movie, I don't know how close it is to the book, but that movie, oh my goodness, like, it got me. Like, yeah, it was so good, like so good that's all i'm gonna yeah. say because we're talking about a different book <laughs> i don't want to get into that but <laughs> all i'm saying is if you have netflix just watch it it's so good there's great like actors in it like it just they did a really good job on it yes, so they did did you spot her did you know what to look for did you see her? i didn't where was she again she was at like i don't know if it was like a bus station or something she was like the ticket Oh, okay okay yes 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 now i remember i remember now okay because yeah. no i remember i was like i know i saw her but i don't know i couldn't remember what scene it yeah. was <laughs> oh okay yeah i don't know that book was so good and i just i loved i don't like you were saying at the beginning of our of our episode about like how you're kind of sick of romance and all that like <laughs> and just i don't just how love is portrayed a lot in movies as romantic mm-hmm. and i loved how in that story there like there was this this theme of love and it mm-hmm. you know it obviously wasn't romantic like at the end like uh it's just good i'm not going to say what happens but it was just so good <laughs> like there's a line at the end where i i just lost it because i was like that's love <laughs> yes it is <sighs> so anyway so let me mention there were two books in 1978 that got the Newbery Honor Award the first one was Ramona and Her Father by Beverly Cleary. And I don't, these books are incredibly popular, the Ramona books. So this is just one book in that series. So I'll read you guys the little blurb about it on Goodreads. It just says, Ramona's father has lost his job and all the family are miserable. So Ramona decides to try and cheer them up in her own inimitable way. So there's that. And have you guys ever read the Ramona books? Mm-mm. I have. I'm not sure which ones, but I know I did read them. I think I, yeah, I think I've read a few too. And then the second book was called On Peo, an American Indian Odyssey by Jamaica Highwater. Now, I cannot find out what this book is about. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no blurb on Goodreads, but I got some dirt on the author. Oh, no. <laughs> so apparently this guy, his real name is Jack Marks, but he just, his whole life, he kind of, he kind of, well, let me just read it. Let's see here. 
Um, it says, this is from Wikipedia, but you can find this everywhere. It says he was an American writer and journalist of Eastern European Jewish ancestry, who from the late 1960s claimed to be of Cherokee and Native American <gasps> ancestry. Oh, no. um, so he claimed that he was adopted and, you know, he was really of Native American descent. And so because he claimed this, he got quite a bit of money in grants to publish his books. Because, you know, if you're Native American, right. you can get grants for stuff. And so it finally came out toward the end of his life that he had been making it up. <laughs> and so, oh my like, goodness. all these people were, like, so mad. And so, like, so when this book won the award, like, none of that had come out. But now that it's come out, I think people just don't, like, Talk they question it. the authenticity <laughs> of this book. Because yeah. he has no idea what he's talking about. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so I thought sad. That was, that was, That's yeah, a, it was sad. It's a sad and, day for and, like, children's literature. Like, there are so many good, like, you know, genuine, like, Native American authors out there that could have had this grant money. Yeah. And, and he, he, took it. he stole it, mm-hmm. basically. Oh. Yeah. That's sad. Well, well I I'll tell you why, why I think he shouldn't have award. won. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, those were the books. We don't have to talk anything about them. I just wanted to mention them. I think we all know why Bridge to Terabithia won. Yeah, I feel, like, yeah awesome. I feel like this time, hands down. <laughs> yeah. no like, I don't know, like, compared to Ramona, like... Yeah. It's just, you can't even compare the two, I don't think. No, no one stood a chance this year. <laughs> yeah. I know. I bet, like, the, uh, like, Beverly is like, uh, Catherine. Okay. Well. <laughs> Maybe next Never year. Mind. <laughs> it was a good effort. <laughs> All right, guys. So, the book that we're reading next is my turn to pick. Yes, what is I'm it? So excited. I don't even know what it is. I don't is. either. I know. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I need your help. Uh, so I've got it narrowed down to two books. And so I guess we can vote as a team of friendship okay. between the two books. So I've narrowed it down to A Wrinkle in Time or Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. I have both of them. So you can pick either one. <laughs> <laughs> so I will read. I will read the blurbs for both of them. Okay. Okay. Maybe that will help you. So here's Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. It's uh, by Robert C. O'Brien. It says, Mrs. Frisbee, a widowed mouse with four small children, must move her family to their summer quarters immediately or face almost certain death. But her youngest son, Timothy, lies ill with pneumonia and must not be moved. Fortunately, she encounters the Rats of Nim, an extraordinary breed of highly intelligent creatures who come up with a brilliant solution to her dilemma. And, uh, so, like, these rats have been kind of, like, genetically modified. So, it's kind of science fiction-y, almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantasy-ish. And let me read The Wrinkle in Time. I think we read this last time because we've been talking about how they're making that it into a movie. Mm-hmm. Soon. Yes. When is that movie coming out, Mandy? I believe next year. Okay. I can double All right, check so I'll just that. read a little blurb again. So this is by Madeline Langle. Le Angle. <laughs> yep. 
Good job. <laughs> and I didn't know this, but this book, A Wrinkle in Time, is one of four books in a series. So Nice. Mar- March 9th, next year. Nice. Okay. <clears throat> it was a dark and stormy night. Meg Murray, her small brother Charles Wallace, and her mother had come down to the kitchen for a midnight snack when they were upset by the arrival of a most disturbing stranger. Wild nights are my glory, the unearthly stranger told them. I just got caught in a downdraft and blown off course. Let me be on my way. Speaking of way, by the way, there is such a thing as a tesseract. Meg's father had been experimenting with this fifth dimension of time travel when he mysteriously disappeared. Now the time has come for Meg, her friend Calvin, and Charles Wallace to rescue him. But can they outwit the forces of evil they will encounter on their heart-stopping journey through space? And time! So what do you guys think? What do you think, Leah? Uh... I've been hearing a lot about A Wrinkle in Time lately. Both good and bad, actually. And so I'm kind of curious to try that one for myself. Let's but do it! I'm open, let's so... Let's do it! Alright, let's do it! A Wrinkle in Time it is! Yes! Let's do it! Excitement! <laughs> I was excited either way, because I bought both those books, so... <laughs> Well, I like the rats of them. They um, there's a cartoon version mm-hmm. of that that I watched as a mm-hmm. child and I love. Secret and of so him. I've always wanted to. Yeah, I've always wanted to read the book. So, well, don't I have pick after this pick? You do. Well, yes. maybe I'll pick that one. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get to it eventually. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's tell the people how to get a hold of us if they so desire. You can find us on our website, uh, teamfriendshippodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at three, the number, not the word, friends podcast. We are on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash teamfriendshippodcast. And on Instagram, teamfriendshippodcast. And you can email us your comments and questions Team Friendship Podcast at gmail.com. Mandy, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Mandy Malay. Both M's capitalized. I don't think it matters, but. Leah, where can the people find you? You can also find me on Instagram. Leah Raniel. <laughs> so L E A H R A N J E L. And if you act fast, you can see a picture of my new bicycle. So that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren, where can the people find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter uh, as Gracie Firstborn. All spelled out. Gracie Firstborn. And we'll put this in the show notes. (laughs) If you guys really want to get a hold of us. We are entertaining. Yes. And if, I mean, if you come to our Facebook page, you'll, you'll find us commenting on there too. And you'll be able to find us there too. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but we don't give that out. All right. Well, we are also continuing to record our episodes, reviewing Anne with an E. So check those out as well. We've been having a good old time with that. We're, we're getting ready to record our next one soon. So. That's probably kind of our summer. Our summer is talking about Anne with an E. So, <laughs> Yes, that's what we do. 
I'm hoping that will be next summer too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hopefully. Season two. Yes. All right, guys. We will see you on another time. And remember, friends, no two persons ever read the same book. And if you're Mandy, this time your life has been forever changed. that you are loving right now. I'm sorry, I was just making sure because I was doing a thing while you were talking, Leah, and then you started talking about some stuff and I was like, wait, what is what part? Wait. <laughs> I was looking up Way my to be a good news. listener. <laughs> um, I feel like that's... Bridge to Terabithia by Katherine Patterson. Cue the music. There's I just so felt much. like there should be you music. You don't get music um, if I don't get news music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I also... Oh dear, I hit my microphone. Real sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> I told... Because, like, there were... There have just been several, like... With Facebook, anyway. There have been several times... In, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I'll get it out, Okay. <laughs> If we stay quiet, yeah. we don't have to cry. <laughs> I've got like five tissues. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wish I had like a big awesome. red button I could press right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Would the button make a sound? Yeah. <laughs> or a big gold right. one, like like America's Got Talent. You can also find me on Instagram. I don't know what my name is. Oh. <laughs> Terabithia, man!